When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? It is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is a victory Monday. The Steelers were victorious 20-19. 20-19, a one-point game against the Baltimore Ravens in Week 13 at Heinz Field. And on this Let's Ride podcast, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday Steelers fix, we're going to break everything down for you. We've got winners and losers coming up in the second segment. We've got everything that you want to know about the game and my opinions on that game. So stay tuned. Before we get into anything, I want to mention how big this game is. No, I'm not talking about the Steelers. I'm talking about me, personally, me. Yeah, I live in Maryland. Dave Schofield lives in Maryland. Brian Anthony Davis lives in Maryland. You all have no clue. Many of you do, though. I've been talked to many of you on Twitter before, and you all have spent time in Maryland before and maybe you live there, currently live there, you know if you've even spent an iota of, t- of time in Maryland, doesn't have to be near Baltimore, just in the state of Maryland, during football season, how obnoxious Ravens fans are, and they can be. It is intolerable at times. And yes, during the Steelers' winning streak, honestly, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say a word. I, you know, the Steelers come out one and three. I'm just keeping my, hey, I'm minding my P's and Q's. I'm not going to gloat about the Steelers. And they, they come back from that one and three start. They go on a four-game winning streak. Nap, still, hey, above 500, I have nothing to say. 
Ravens fans are just constantly in your face. They're constantly pointing the finger. Oh, look at the Steelers. You all tied Detroit. Oh, look at the Steelers. You lost to the Chargers. Oh, the Steelers lost to the Bengals. You all stink. You hear that stuff everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. And if you're like me, it doesn't matter if the Steelers win or lose. You're wearing that gear no matter what. But I'll tell you what. When I go to work on Monday... I'm going to be wearing that very proud. I'll tell you that right now. I will be rocking the black and gold. Speaking of game day gear, if you watch the post-game show, I showed off this shirt, and it is, uh, it's my Believers shirt. This shirt was from 2005. It says Believers, and it's B-E-L-E-E-V-E-R-S, and it's got like the, the Steelers-type uh, logos. Or, or I'm sorry, the, the lines through it and everything. It looks like the, it says Steelers, but it says Believers. It's an NFL playoff shirt. And this came out in, in 2005 when the Steelers were the sixth seed and got into the postseason. And I don't wear this shirt often. This is kind of like my last resort. I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have superstitions just like me. It's kind of like your last resort. I, I was wearing the jerseys. That didn't work. I went back to the jersey because the play like Ben did not get him the win in, in L.A. against the Chargers. So I went back to the jersey last week. The original Reebok Ben from 2004 didn't work. So, hey, desperate times call for desperate measures. And this son-of-a-gun t-shirt worked. If it's just for a week, that's fine. Man, what a game. What a game. And we're going to talk about that a lot. But before we get to that, I want to mention, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you're there early and often and all throughout the day as we have the latest breaking news, film room, breakdowns, opinion pieces, you name it, on everything Pittsburgh Steelers related. You will not regret going to that website. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, let's say you stumbled upon this uh, podcast in the Megaphone Player on one of our articles. Great, you found our podcast platform, but there's so much more than just my Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning Let's Ride podcast. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcast or listen to music. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, uh, Spotify. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you just don't miss a thing. Very important. All right, so what a game. What a game, 20-19, to 19, and the post-game show was crazy. Uh, he, uh, if you watch our live shows, it's syndicated on Facebook or on YouTube. And my goodness, I was watching this game, and I'm thinking to myself, well, in the first half, are the Steelers ever going to even do anything offensively? I mean, they, they didn't have a first down for the majority of the first half. They had only run six plays uh, through the vast majority of a first quarter and a half. And nothing to show for it. Thank the lucky stars that the Steelers' defense woke up and really was playing good football. It wasn't perfect football, but good football. And you, some call it bend, don't break football. Some call it, you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. They were keeping the Steelers in the game. And that was huge. I don't know what changed. I really don't like the people that speculate and say, well, you know, Matt Canada started loosening up or Matt Canada's system is to set up things for the second half. I look, I don't know. I don't know that. And if you're not in the meeting rooms, you don't know that either. And if you're not at practices, you don't know it. So I'm not going to speculate. All I know is that in the second half, things seemed to settle down for the offense. They started to find their groove and they were doing what worked. And honestly, it was kind of whatever they wanted. And what I mean by that is when you think about it, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the second half, they were they were running the ball well. I'm not saying they were breaking off 50, 15, 20-yard runs, 
but they were running the ball well. Najee Harris was gaining good traction, was giving keeping them on schedule, giving them manageable down and distances. Benny Snell on the two carries that he had ran the ball extremely hard, held onto the football, was going forward. I think he had uh, a couple runs for eight, seven yards, about 15 yards total. It's good to see that happen. People are like, why are they putting Benny Snell in there? If you can find a back that can come in and spell Najee Harris, and when he comes out of the game, all of a sudden you're not knowing that, well, they're not going to run the ball. That's you, you want that. You want that for Najee Harris. Najee Harris can't do it all. I mean, he can, but he shouldn't if you want him to last the entire season. So seeing that was very positive with Benny Snell. The offensive line really stepped up in a big way, and this is after B.J. Finney leaves the game in the first half with a back injury, which, by the way, speaking of injuries, he was the only injury that Mike Tomlin noted after the game. And so when the Steelers have a quick turnaround, because they don't, they play on Thursday night this week, with the Steelers on a quick turnaround, you're looking at things saying, wow, well, in this case, this isn't that bad. You know, <laughs> They don't have a lot of injuries. So in that regard, the Steelers' offense finally woke up. They got the job done. They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, None larger than the two Deontay Johnson touchdowns. He had that one he should have caught. I'll talk about him in the winners and losers segment, but still a big game from Deontay Johnson. He is really showing some growth and some progress. And how about that Steelers defense, right? I mean, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the Steelers defense standing up tall when it matters the most. And there's going to be fans that bemoan the fact that the Ravens were able to drive down the field with a minute and some change left, three timeouts, and to put them in position to win. And they scored that touchdown. Sammy Watkins catches the touchdown pass, and then they decide to go for two. Before we talk about the two-point conversion, I want to just say that if you've watched the Ravens for any stretch of this season, any stretch, you know how aggressive they are. And you know that when they get into a situation where it might be like I just outlined, a minute and some change, they have all their timeouts, they're very comfortable in that setting. They are. They look at Lamar Jackson and say, all right, Lamar, you've done it before. Time just time to got to do it again. Let's go out and make a play. Go out and make a play, and they do. They find ways, whether it's hitting Hollywood Brown, whether it's finding Mark Andrews, or in this case, sometimes it's Lamar Jackson doing it himself, running with the football. The Steelers limited Lamar Jackson in a lot of ways tonight, uh, or in the game on Sunday, I should say, and it was a game where they didn't let Lamar Jackson beat them. Now, they came close, and let's talk about that two-point conversion. It's funny, after the game, my dad and my brother and I have spoken about this on my podcast before. We always have a group text going on during games, and they're texting about, wow, I can't believe he went for two. I'm of the, my dad and I are both of the kind that we think that was idiotic. It was idiotic. My brother was like, nah, you got to go for the jugular. You might not get the football back. Well, yeah, you might not, but you might get it back, and you might be able to go down and win the game. Here's the thing. After the game, Harbaugh told reporters that, and this was after Marlon Humphrey also uh, left the game, they're thinking he might have a season-ending shoulder injury. So losing him, the Ravens, boy, that defense takes a huge blow. But still, you're looking at the, the Steelers, and I'm, I'm thinking about, shoot, they're going for two. I can't believe it. I would not have done it. I'll put it straight up there. I, I would not have gone for it. I know that Harbaugh was talking about the cornerback depth. In other words, he understood that if the Steelers, you know, essentially the, the Steelers' offense would have been able to kind of do whatever they wanted through the air, and they're already the 32nd-ranked pass defense in the NFL. I understand that, but ultimately you've got an offense. You're thinking if we just get the football, we drive down and win the game, they're aggressive. They always have been, always will be, and it burned them. 
And there are fans that say, oh, well, my, this was this was my brother. Well, if Lamar Jackson, you know, should have completed that and and Mark Andrews could have caught it and they, they should have. I said, could have, would have, should have, man. They did not win the football game. They did not win the football game. But how how Steelers is this win when you think about it? And I'm not talking about the Ravens and a game that ends in less than three points, a game decided by one point. And I predicted the Steelers to win a close one. I didn't think it would be 20 to 19, but I, I, I just, how Steelers is this win? Everyone has basically left them for dead. And I'm not saying that people aren't paying attention and they're not listening to our podcast and they're not tuning into the games. They are. But how Steelers is this that right when you're thinking, it reminds me of the scene from Dumb and Dumber. You know, when right when I think you can't get any dumber, you go and do something like that and totally redeem yourself. That's exactly what the Steelers do. They found a way to win, and Heinz Field was rocking, and Renegade was blaring, and it was just such a cool atmosphere. There are certain moments, if you think back to 2020, when it it was missing. You know, there was nothing live and raucous about the games. And, and there have been times in this season where it just has been missing something. No, it's not the 2020 season where there are no fans. But in terms of the fact I look at the games and sometimes there's just no energy. There was energy there. There was a lot of energy there for the fans that were there. I know it wasn't a sellout, but still, there were a lot of fans. They were jacked up, pumped up. A lot of you hit me up on Twitter and said how crazy the game was and how fun it was. Um, it's awesome for all of you that were there live. That would be that's one to remember for sure. But still, I mean, it's a Steelers win. It's a Steelers win. And if you're someone out there, by the way, if you're someone out there that's saying, "Oh, the Steelers just ruined their draft status for 2022," go home with that talk. I mean, come on, just seriously, like just just go home, go home with that talk. I don't need it. I don't want to hear it. The Steelers find a way to beat their arch rivals, the Ravens. And in the same breath of everyone saying last week, oh my gosh, the Bengals have beaten the Steelers the last three times they've played. Well, guess what, folks? The last three times the Steelers played the Ravens, they've beat them. They beat them. They beat them in Baltimore last year with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. They beat them in the COVID Bowl. I think it was like on a Wednesday afternoon. And they just beat them again for the first time this season. They're 6-5-1. and one, And they find themselves in the thick of things once again. The Raiders lose. There's a chance that some other teams can lose, like Buffalo playing on Monday night against New England. There, there's just a lot of stuff that can still happen here, folks. Now, the Steelers have to take care of business. All right? in, in Week 14, they're going to have to take care of business. They're going to have to go on the road. They're going to have to play the Minnesota Vikings, which, who, by the way, are going to probably be without Adam Thielen. Uh, that's really, really big news for the Steelers in terms of their secondary. He's a really good route runner, really good receiver, only having to worry about uh, Jefferson will be a huge boost. But the Steelers have a quick turnaround. Mike Tomlin is speaking to the media Monday. They're going to have estimated practice reports soon, and they're going to be gearing up for Thursday night football. It is, it's crazy that the NFL still makes teams do this, but I want to give you a quick reminder about our podcast platform. So nothing is going to change with Let's Ride except the fact that Wednesday is when we are going to do our previewing the upcoming game. And then Friday, it's going to be a recap of the game. And then next Monday is going to be that weird, awkward, the Steelers didn't play on Sunday. We talked about this on Friday, where I'll have more of a global perspective on the team as they 
just coming off that mini bye week. So you're not going to see any different podcasts from me this week. It's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Wednesday's going to be the lead up, what the Steelers need to do to beat the Vikings. Friday's going to be getting you geared up for the weekend of football. I'm not sure if I'll have blue check back on Friday. Probably not. I might have him on Wednesday to talk about the game and things like that. Friday is going to be the recap where we do winners and losers. And then obviously we have a situation where Monday we'll figure everything out. There you go. On the later PM podcast, I don't want to mention this as well. The Steelers preview is the only show that's going to be affected by this Thursday night game. Myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis will be going live on Wednesday, a little bit earlier in the afternoon before Know Your Enemy. So if you are someone that likes to tune in live or if you're looking for that content in the audio form, uh, that's when it'll be uh, going out on Wednesday. So make sure you check that out. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. There's still so much to unpack. I still haven't talked about the officiating yet. I still haven't talked about uh, the players that played well, the players, the coaching changes that, that they made. I mean, my gosh, there's so much to talk about. We've got 10 winners and two losers. I love it when it's that way, when that ratio is way dominant to the winners and the losers. I love it. And we'll be right back to dive into all that right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, here for the second half on our post-game podcast. It is a victory Monday. The 20-19 win was so, so sweet for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens. And it's time to go over the winners and losers. We have 10 winners and two losers after this win in Week 13 at Heinz Field. And where should we start? None other than the same place we started last week. Deontay Johnson, listen to his stat line. Eight catches. 105 yards, two touchdowns. He had 11 targets and a 29-yard long. I understand. There was a time, I mean, the first half, when the Steelers had to settle for a Chris Boswell field goal before that was when Ben Roethlisberger threw, in my opinion, his best pass of the 2021 season. Off the back foot, delivered a beautiful ball right in the outreaching arms of Deontay Johnson. He had beaten the coverage. It was down the middle. Beautiful throw. He drops it. And so he went from the GOAT. No, not the greatest of all time. He went from the GOAT, meaning, dude, you just messed it up. We had a chance to, the Steelers had a chance to tie the game, and now all of a sudden we're trailing by four. Well, he made up for it in the second half, big time. So like I said, eight catches, 105 yards, 11 targets, two touchdowns. Deontay Johnson is, I'm not even going to say slowly, because to me it's not slow, is rapidly becoming the Steelers' number one wide receiver, and I'm fine with it. He has the route running ability you saw in that second touchdown. Watch that route again. Go watch that route. Watch the replay and watch the route. That in cut, he stops on a dime, and he's going back towards the pylon, 
Ben throws it to the inside for some reason. I'm not sure why. If he, th- I feel like if he throws it to the outside, he just walks right in the end zone. Nonetheless, boy, really turned into something special in my opinion. All right, next winner, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Stat line, 21 of 31, 236 yards, 7.6 yard average, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked once statistically, but it was not an actual sack. That was the play that Roethlisberger kind of kept it himself and tried to run. Uh, He did not get back to the line of scrimmage. Therefore, it is deemed a sack. It's deemed a pass play. So that's called a sack. It is what it is. He had a finish with a 111.8 rating, a very good rating for Roethlisberger. You know, in this game, I thought this was very poignant. Look at that. Look at the, hey, attempts. What do I always say? 25 to 35, right? 31, almost dead smack in the middle. Over the weekend when Ben Roethlisberger was rumored or reported to have told family members, former teammates, current teammates that this year is likely his last, which should come as a shock to no one. And Dave Schofield wrote the article, and I just checked the comments on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I was just curious. And there were Steeler fans just bashing the heck out of this guy. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what are we doing here? So he might not be playing his best football right now. The last time we saw him was clearly in week 12, a dud of a game against the Bengals, but he wasn't the only player that played poorly in that game. And everyone's just, it seems like they're just so short-sighted. And some people said, hi, you know, it's what have you, what have you done for me now, league, and blah, 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 whatever. So I took to Twitter and I just put out there, like, I can't believe people are taking this news this way. I mean, some are celebrating it. I'm looking at it and saying, man, if this is really the end of the era, he's been great for this team since 2004. I mean, on the field has been amazing. He's been a rock for this organization. And I was amazed by how many people just had, there was the backlash. It was really good for me to see Roethlisberger come out and kind of say, you know what, all you haters out there, you can take it and shove it where the sun don't shine. It was a great performance, and and not mind-blowing numbers. Again, look at the first half. They struggled. and I mean, he couldn't do any, they couldn't do anything. It wasn't just Ben. It was everyone. Finished his 0-2-36, two touchdowns, no picks. That's a great day. 25 to 35 range. He's right in the middle, 31. Good job. Ben's on, on the winner's list. Next is Chris Wormley. So it was interesting. Before we get to the stat line, you know, Mike Tomlin was asked about Wormley in the postgame press conference. And he's talked about how when a trade happens within the division, because remember, the Steelers traded with the Ravens for Wormley. Wormley grew up as a huge Steeler fan, went to Michigan. um, And so he told Chris Wormley, he said, when you see a trade within the division, that tells you what they think of you. And he's speaking to Wormley. And he said, I hope that he remembers that when he, every time he plays against them. People might say, well, Mike Hilton's on the Bengals. Mike Hilton left as a free agent. The Ravens traded Wormley to Pittsburgh. So they basically think, we think so low of you that we don't even want to force you to stay and go to a free agency. We are going to trade you to our arch rival. When you think about it in that context, that's bad. But Wormley had himself a heck of a game. Five tackles, three solo tackles, two and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, Three quarterback hits. Wormley was all over the field. I mean, he was all over the field. It was great to see him getting out there. And it's one of those situations where, man, you're looking at Wormley and you're thinking, 
where is this guy coming from? I'm watching 95 running all over the field, and wow, where where is this speed and, and hustle and agility coming from? That might be because of some other players on the lineup, but still, kudos to Chris Wormley doing it against his former team, the team that drafted him out of Michigan, that traded him to Pittsburgh, had to feel good. The next winner should shock no one. T.J. Watt, Trent Jordan Watt, six tackles, five solo, three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and six quarterback hits. T.J. Watt, who has now tied James Harrison's 16-sack regular season record for most sacks in a season. Yeah, he's he's done it. I mean, my gosh, he's he's only played in 12. The Steelers have only had 12 games, and he's only he has missed two of them. He's done this in 10 games. Like, this is insane, the stats that he's putting up. Um, and he's going to break that uh, Harrison record. Debo's record is going to go down. And there's a good chance that if, if probably in the coming years, definitely in this next contract, he's going to set new franchise records for sacks. But TJ Watt, I, I said this again. I, I, was, I referenced um, Dave Schofield's article on the website for Ben Roethlisberger. I wrote the article when it was – confirmed that TJ Watt had cleared the COVID protocols and was able to play. And I said, there might be a little bit of a silver lining here, folks. And that is, well, one, Watt's proven that he doesn't need to practice to play well. He showed us all that in week one when he hadn't practiced with the team all season, all preseason, goes out there against Buffalo and just dominates. Two, maybe the time off, time away for his knee and his hip. We all saw him in week 12. He was not at 100% against the Bengals. And so, I think what you saw was a rejuvenated Watt, and he said this in his post-game press conference, that he felt good, he felt strong, he felt energized. Now, I'm not suggesting that they just don't let him practice anymore, but my goodness, maybe give him a coach's day off once in a while, Mike. Come on, Mike Tomlin, Coach T. Uh, if the guy's going to play this well with a couple days off, let's do this more often. That's what I say. But TJ Watt, goodness gracious, the uh, D- Defensive Player of the Year, that just heated up, and he just reinserted his name into the discussion if it wasn't already there. Next winner are some new guys. Huge contributions from new guys. So I mentioned this in the first half. That the only injury of note was B.J. Finney. B.J. Finney was at left guard for the uh, starter, Kevin Dotson, who's on injured reserve, eligible to, I believe, come back this week if he's healthy enough. And so the Steelers, they did okay, now we're at option three. And option three is also on injured reserve. That would be J.C. Hassenauer. So technically, they're option four. And who is it? John LeGlue. John LeGlue goes out there. And you're thinking, who is, who's this 77 guy? I mean, he dominating. None, maybe that's still strong. I was kind of excited for John LeGlue. He went out and played extremely well. He did a tremendous job. He was opening up holes. When B.J. Finney was in there, maybe it was because of the back. I'm not sure. But when B.J. Finney was in there, they were getting they they the Steelers were getting no push from the interior of that uh, line, absolutely none. And so because of all of that, I looked at this and said, you know what, John Leglue's doing a great job at guard, really playing well. The other player that was a new guy was Montravius Adams, who was just signed off the Saints practice squad. In the post game show, we talked about him, and Dave mentioned that yes, he was off the he was on the practice squad for the Saints, but he had spent time on the Saints active roster before being sent back down to the practice squad. So he had some starting, you know, experience this season. Came in, got saw significant snaps, had a pass defense, uh, had a couple tackles. Uh, he was 
maybe he was one of the reasons why Chris Wormley was able to have more one-on-ones out there because he was taking up more than one blocker. Just to get those contributions from players like LeGlue and Adams, huge for this Steelers team in this win. Next winner is, and I can't believe I'm I'm saying this, but I am, Akella Witherspoon. I questioned whether, I, I said, well, I didn't question it. I questioned and answered it and said that the tr- trade was awful on Friday in my random thoughts. His stat line, he had five tackles, five solo, and one pass defense. Akella Witherspoon was physical. He has the size. He has the speed. And the way that he played that ball, yes, he should have intercepted it, I know. But still, the way that he played that ball intended for Mark Andrews, that is the best pass defense I've seen from a defensive back not named Joe Hayden in a long time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am not about to praise Akella Witherspoon and say that he is the next cornerback for the Steelers or anything like that. I am not saying that at all because I've said it on Friday and I'll say it again. When I talked to the people from the 49ers, they said he's inconsistent. When I talked to people from the Seattle Seahawks, he's inconsistent. So this is what we could, what everyone has kind of seen from Akella Witherspoon his entire career. He is inconsistent. So for this player, good step forward. You got to do better. You got to do it again to really kind of get into that mode of, you know, the inconsistent tag might be a little bit dated. So, but for now, for this game, Akello Witherspoon found his way on the winner's list. Next winner is Minka Fitzpatrick. He led the Steelers in tackles, nine tackles, seven solo, one pass defense, and he did have the interception of Lamar Jackson. It's the second straight game that Minka Fitzpatrick has had an interception, and one of the keys that I mentioned on Friday to victory was, could we see this be like a spark for Minka to... Bring back some Minka magic. And again, two sacks and two two interceptions. I'm sorry. Two interceptions in two games is quite the start. So I was it was great to see Minka Fitzpatrick finally get his hands on the football again. I would love to be able to see him continue that trend and really start to be more of a playmaker in the secondary. And he's been a playmaker. I mean, he's leading the team in tackles. That's not good. You don't want your safety leading the team in tackles. But when he's also playing the deep half, and people are going to maybe say that, well, the pad, the pass interference call against Minka, this, that, and the other. Ultimately, I thought Minka Fitzpatrick played a great game, and he deserved to be on the winner's list. The next winner, I didn't have him on the list originally. And then I looked at the stat line, and I was like, wow, this I should actually probably have him on there, and that's Najee Harris. Najee Harris could probably be on this list every week. Not last week he wasn't. He just didn't play that much. But he had 21 carries for 71 yards, a 3.4 yards per carry average. Also added five receptions for 36 yards on five targets. Do the simple math. That's over 100 yards total. Najee Harris has, boy, he worked for every single yard again against the Ravens. The Ravens had the number two ranked rush defense. For him to get 71 yards, 3.4 yards a clip against that defense is great. The Steelers finally started to use him as a receiving weapon. And so for him to go over 100 against that defense was good and was a huge factor for the Steelers. And a quick sidebar, uh, there was a, there was a, this happened on the last drive for the Steelers where Deontay Johnson capped it off with a touchdown. If you saw this, you're probably wondering what's going on. Ben Roethlisberger is walking up to the line of scrimmage and Najee Harris starts talking to Ben about something. And you're like, well, what is, well, I'm, I'm asking myself, like, what's he doing? Is he trying to change the play? Well, Ben said after the game that what Najee Harris asked him was, where, if I, if they just let me score, should I take a knee? Then think about that. I mean, this is a rookie who is, has the mind about him to think, 
if the Ravens, because they want to get the ball back with more time, if they are going to let me score, should I just take a knee or should I score? And he has the wherewithal to ask the question, what do you think I should do? So it turned out they weren't going to let him score. We know that. But, I mean, that that's that was really important. When I heard that, I was like, wow, like Najee Harris is a really smart player. He's a really smart player, and people ripped him for saying he didn't know that the NFL games could end in a tie. To me, like that shows some high football IQ there, in my opinion. Next is the coaching staff. If you're going to rip the coaches for losing, you got to give them some credit when they win, especially when they turn the tables the way that they did. But also because changes were made. You know, Mike Tomlin had his players in pads as much as he could during the week. And then they also made changes like, okay, Akella Witherspoon was playing more. Um, you saw... Uh, the, the addition of Adams and him playing more. You saw uh, uh, some other, like Benny Snell getting out there more. I mean, it's just for two runs, but still, the, the coaching staff was willing to make changes, and it was also evident in the way that like the defense was called. Keith Butler, boy, did he blitz more. They definitely brought more pressure. You saw Cam Sutton going on blitzes, Arthur Millette going on blitzes. He was very methodical with how they went about the change, but the change was good. And I thought that this is exactly what they needed. So now the coaching staff has to learn how to channel that again and to keep it going. That's the challenge now, but the coaching staff deserves some credit for that win. The last winner was winning the turnover battle. And more importantly, the stat line is that they didn't turn the ball over. There was only one turnover in the game, and that was Minka Fitzpatrick with the interception and might, some might be out there saying, well, the Steelers didn't score off of that. They didn't. I think they went three and out and punted the ball right back. However, that was a red zone interception that took points off of the board. That matters. That is really important. All right, let's go to the loser side. There's only two. Third down defenses first. The Ravens went eight for 16 on third down, but it wasn't just that they were surrendering third downs. It was how they were surrendering the third downs. It was the fact that they were giving up thirds and six, seven, eight. Heck, even third and 14, they were giving it up. The Steelers defensively, it seemed like on third and long, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. You don't want to blitz and throw too many players at Lamar. He can burn you with his legs, get outside the pocket. He can make plays with his arm. You also don't want to just sit back because then you're going to really make yourself susceptible to Lamar Jackson running the football. They looked like they didn't know what to do, and that was evident. But when it mattered the most, the Steelers made a stop, so I can't complain too much. And then the last loser, I could have done some other ones. The Chris Boswell was potentially, because the missed extra points, like the, it puts you in a weird position. The Steelers didn't lose from it, so he doesn't find his way on the losers list. Presley Harvin, he went from being a winner with that unbelievable 64-yard punt, and then he follows it up with two real duds. Uh, so he's just off the list. But I'll tell you what de- deserves to be on the list is the officiating. I mean, the officiating in this game, and it's not just penalties here, folks. It was the Ray Ray McLeod reception that was ruled a catch on the field, challenged by Baltimore, and then all of a sudden, I've always been of the ilk that it's got to be blatantly obvious that it should be overturned. To me, that was not blatantly obvious, and they overturned it anyways. The fact that they didn't call the, you can call, it could have been whatever you wanted. It could have been a personal foul late hit. It could be a high hit, defenseless receiver hit. I, I could keep going, pass interference, whatever. When Ben Roethlisberger threw a pass to Deontay Johnson that sailed over his head, was uncatchable, 
And by the time it basically hit the Ravens bench, the safety, I don't even know the gentleman's name, the safety comes over and just clobbers Deontay Johnson, knocks him to the ground. He was kind of slow to get up. I'm looking at, okay, there's got to be a flag. Tony Romo, who sounded like he hated the Steelers on the broadcast, was even saying, wow, like, where's the flag? Like, how is that a flag? Uh, and they didn't call it. And then even on Adams, uh, Montrevious Adam, Adams, it, there's a play where uh, Steelers had a great run stop. He's holding two offensive linemen. Not holding, let me, let me rephrase that. He's putting his hands on two offensive linemen to occupy two blockers to allow the linebackers to flow better. And when their run fits, they call him for holding. And when you have Tony Romo, again, hated the Steelers in this game, said, wow, like that's not a holding call. Like, that's a really bad call. When you're hearing that, you should make maybe think to yourself, wow, it was that bad. Because it was that bad. Some of the de- like the defensive pass interference call on Minka Fitzpatrick, I could go on, but I'm not going to. The officiating deserves to be on the losers list like 15 times, and it's gotten to the point where I hate watching this football, like NFL football, because every time you see a big play, the first thing you do, the first inclination you have is, where's the flag? I hate that. I really, really hate that. The Steelers won this game despite of the officials. It sure seemed like the officials were doing everything in their power to give the Ravens a chance to win that game, and they still couldn't get the job done because the Steelers win the game. And that's what I want to end on today. The Steelers found a way to win the game. It was not pretty, but it was right what the it was just what the doctor ordered right on time for this team. And so now at six five and one, they find themselves right in the thick of things with the division after beating the Ravens. They find themselves right in the thick of things still in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, my goodness, we have a lot to be excited about and not a lot of time to enjoy this one, which really stinks because we're going to be talking about the Vikings as early as Wednesday. But in the meantime. Make sure you're look on the lookout. I still want to do a mailbag segment, okay? So the mailbag segment is probably going to be in the first segment on Wednesday, and then I'm going to do a preview for the Raven, the, the Vikings game on, on the second half. So on Tuesday, still be on the lookout for the mailbag question. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. In the meantime, folks, enjoy this win. We just went three weeks without a victory. Enjoy this one. My goodness, it feels good. Wear those colors proud like you always do, and I will be back on Wednesday with you to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Victory Monday. Enjoy it. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.